Hey humans, Susan Ruth here. Thank you for listening to Hey Human Podcast. You may notice that my voice sounds kind of funny. I have a head cold, but that's just the way it is. No rest for the wicked. Uh, On this episode, I was uh, able to speak with the lovely Jameson Fink. Uh, He lives in New York. He is a senior digital editor for Wine Enthusiast, and he and I became friends on social media, and he came to Nashville and sat down in my kitchen, and we had a conversation about wine and food and life and bedbugs and all sorts of things. Anyway, uh, I learned a lot. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about wine other than I like the taste of it, and, you know, that's about it. So he, he schooled me in a, a bunch of stuff. It was very interesting. Uh, as usual, a lot of the stuff that he talked about, I put links on heyhumanpodcast.com so you can check out some of the books he mentions and the various websites and things. And uh, yeah, so also, Hey Human is on iTunes. And I now, for all you Google phone people, I have Podbean. So if you download Podbean app, which is free, you can listen to all the Hey Human episodes on that, which is pretty cool. All right, uh, without further ado, as they say out there in somewhere, well, here, we say it here, and that's good enough. Uh, Jameson Fink, senior digital editor, wine enthusiast, here we go. Hi, Jameson. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Uh, This is the greatest podcast in the world because as a guest, I'm eating steak with blue cheese and drinking champagne. Uh, Yeah. uh, I treat people right. Yeah, (laughs) you do. I highly recommend to anyone to be a guest on the show. That's right. I try and accommodate to whomever I'm speaking with. I am very well accommodated. Thank you. I'm glad. So, Jameson is uh, the senior digital editor of Wine Enthusiast. It's a very cool job. I'm sure. It has been cool, yes. So I've enjoyed it. How long have you how long have you been doing that for? Uh, I started working at Wine Enthusiast in November when I was living in Seattle. I got this job and I gave away everything I owned except for what would fit in two suitcases and moved out to New York and started this job. Were you scared? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was terrified. Yeah. I didn't sleep for the first two nights I was there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was really uh, intense. I was like, what am I doing? What have I gotten myself into? Just, you know, nor- I mean, normal I mean, stuff. Yeah, I mean, I moved all the way across the country, living in a new city, living in a crazy apartment with three other dudes that was loud and had no natural light and lots of roaches, and then commuting like four hours a day round trip. Whoa. Yeah, it was pretty intense. I went from zero to mega intense in like <laughs> one hour. Did the um, did the roaches help pay rent? <laughs> they didn't. They're freeloaders. Jerks. Yeah, they did. Uh, they did keep me company though. Mm-hmm. They didn't complain. They weren't shy. I heard you could train rent roaches. I've heard that. Uh, I would have loved to have trained these to do something like disappear or yeah. Move. I, I may have made that up, and it might be just an episode of Orange Is the New Black, but. I mean, I believe everything I see on television. So, but yeah, that's good for that. I didn't know about them being trained. I was just, uh, no, I was just, Google. I was, I was too terrified to. Uh, this is like the classic thing where you turn on a light in the bathroom and things start running. Actually, they didn't run that much. They were so brazen. They're, they're like, "What are you doing?" They're New here? Yorker roaches. Right, they're like, they "You get care. out of, you get out of here." This is our bathroom. I'm like, "Sorry, I really have to go to the bathroom." Have some bread. I'll be quick. Have a Snickers. Yeah, yeah. The worst was when, um, sort of when I got, um, I guess like. I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. Was, um, you know, the space if you have a fridge that has the freezer on the top and the and then the fridge below sure. it, there's like that gap between the the refrigerator door and the freezer door. There was like a, a cockroach sitting on top of that ledge on the fridge door. Like I'm I'm getting in there. I thought that was the one safe place in the house, like the refrigerator, like sanctuary, like everything in there is untainted by. By roaches and uh, and it was just taunting me. It's like I dare you to open that door because I'm I'm going I'm in, in and I'm, I'm going gonna in. breed and I'm gonna bring my buddies. And I was like, I I need to leave soon. There was a TV show in the 80s or the 90s called Joe's Apartment. Oh yeah, I remember, remember that. That was yeah. on MTV. Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, Jer- wasn't it Jerry O'Connell who was the star? I of think that? you're right. Yeah, and, and he was he talked to his roaches or yeah, his roaches were, were his friends. Yeah, I think they were. They they tried to help him get girls. I mean, it's I was like, not living clearly in Joe's apartment. They were not helping me. Roaches get girls are curious or creatures because 
I don't know if it's actually true. I don't know if they've tried to nuke a roach, but they say that they'll live through a blast, right? Right. And then the the thing is, is they don't really... Why are they so scary? Because they don't even really do anything. They just sort of scurry and... Uh, they, I just think it, I think it just they represent uh, un, uncleanliness and filth and, and disease, whether that's fair or not. I mean, I think that's the thing. I think I think they have a somehow. I guess I guess maybe they're they're sort of they kind of look like you they, know like the aliens from they Alien. Do. They do. So I think they're they're sort of more. They need to fire their PR team because fleas carry way more disease, right? And nobody really talks about fleas. It's all about... That's true. You know, the bed bugs, that's pretty nasty because they bite you and stuff. But cockroaches won't even bite you. They don't care. They want your sandwich. I I just read a book about bed bugs. It was really interesting, written by the science writer. Um, It was was a fascinating uh, study. It was kind of... Well, the good thing is I never read it while I was in New York. So I thought people would look at this dude reading a book about bed bugs and be like, that dude has bed bugs. Like, stay away from him. So I just read it in my suburban enclave. They can live, like, a year after a feeding or something insane. Yeah, they can I think they can live at least a month. Yeah, they they, uh, they gorge themselves. It was really, uh, it was fascinating about the history of bed bugs and, um... They're historical. Highly recommend How old are bed are, are they Taylor's? Well, that's what they are. I think the author... they look a lot cockroachy. The first known, you know, like, ancient Egypt. I, supposedly there are bed bug carcasses in with, like, the, um... The the pharaohs and stuff in their tombs. Whoa. I don't know if they were like purposely buried with them or they were just part of the shrouds. Yeah, because beetles everywhere. and they're very yeah. beetlesque, and beetles are a big deal right. in the Egyptian. That's mythology. true, but beetles are bigger and bed bugs are pretty tiny. But yeah, but they've been around. They've been with us forever. God bless them. Yeah, they're no, all I, with us. I when I first when, moved to Nashville, mm-hmm. the house I rented that I moved into, um, unbeknownst to me, had a bed bug problem, mm. and. I woke up one morning and I was covered in just uh, covered in bites. I thought yeah. I had some sort of rash or something. Yeah. And my ex, who was not an ex at the time, obviously, this is many exes ago. <laughs> Slut. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they, I was caught, and he was looking at me. He's like, "What the hell? I, was like, I don't. I have no idea what this is." And then a couple nights later, because again, we just thought it was a rash or like a right. heat rash because I was new to the air, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And he got up to pee or something in the middle of the night and um, turned on the bathroom light. I can sleep through mm-hmm. anything and didn't wake me up or anything. And, you know, I was naked on the bed uh-huh. and he came out of the bathroom <laughs> and the light was, you know, shining on me or whatever. And there was a bed bug crawling up my belly. Uh-huh. And he was like, holy shit. And he like jumped and grabbed the, you know, uh-huh. picked it up and put it in a jar and woke me, he's like, there's a bed bug on you. He put like, it in a jar? That's what? interesting they didn't kill it. Like, he was like, we must study it. We must well, study he it. was very much that, he was very we must much know like our that. enemy. It was like um, yeah. Starship Troopers. Exactly. Well, we had to research the heck out of it to get rid of him. So we did everything. We did the denatured earth. We did the... Did you steam clean the it, tape. everything? It doesn't... They they are so... It's very, very hard to kill them. I would have just moved. I would have left everything <laughs> No, behind. so we read... So we tried the denatured earth. That didn't do anything. They were like, whatever. We, How do you denature they put on earth? The, denat- it's, this, it's what they call it. It's made out of... Um, like they, they call it from the bottom of the ocean. And it's made out of... like what? Yeah, like the shells of shrimp, shrimpies and crustaceans oh. and things like that. Huh. I'm not sure why they call it denatured earth. Is that the stuff that dries They should call it denatured sea. They, uh, Somebody they... needs to get on that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's... Screwing up. But anyway, so that didn't work. And then the tape, we did tape, backwards tape around the, the, the feet of the oh, bed. Oh, right, 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 on and, the trap. And stuck oil. And so, I mean, we uh, went all out and nothing seemed to work. I was still getting, they didn't bite him. They only bit me. Oh, which that's I have, bizarre. Bugs love me. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, it's very weird. Anyway, finally he came across something and said, oh, well, and this was years ago. This was 2006, I guess. And uh, came across an article that says something like they they can't survive over a hundred and something whatever. Right, people superheat their rooms to yes. kill them. Whatever, how yeah. hot a hair dryer gets, yeah. that's or maybe your dryer. Or something. Yeah. So we're like, okay, what do we do now? Nashville, it's hot. It's yeah. Hades. So we turned off the AC. We left the house for three days. Oh, I closed it up. Closed and it just all let up. It be like a hot box. And it it worked. Wow. Killed everything. It never never had a problem again. Yeah, I wasn't expecting we'd spend so much time on bed books. Oh, sorry. I mean, I'm not complaining. Yeah. yeah. He was at, that ex was at, was really into that sort of like bug thing and all that. And he had a book on parasitology, um, study of parasites. And 
I read was that. Was he himself a parasite? <laughs> That's a complicated conversation mm. in itself. Maybe on another podcast. Okay. But, um, Focus on the bugs. Yeah. So I picked up one afternoon. I was like, oh, this looks like a really interesting book. And it was pretty hefty book. Mm. And it had pictures. Mm. Sat down and read that thing cover to cover, completely enthralled. Mm-hmm. And that, I stopped eating sushi after reading that book. Oh, yeah, because every <laughs> piece is swimming with... Pretty much. I also read that blackberries, um, they have, like, tiny bugs everywhere, like, fresh blackberries. And my friend is like, I won't eat... I'll just eat them, like, I'll can them and preserve them, but I won't eat them raw. But I don't know why blackberries and not... Raspberries or strawberries, but these are the these are the crazy things you hear. You know, about, <laughs> yeah. About well, life. you know, our stomach acid is pretty badass, right? It'll it'll kill a lot of and stuff. And everything we're eating has bugs. Of in course, it. yeah. yeah. I mean, and the FDA vegan, allows vegetarian, for yeah. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. And, I mean, we're, we're covered in bugs. There's period. a certain number of rat hairs that is allowed in each yeah. jar of peanut butter. Absolutely. There's. It doesn't stop me. From I wonder how you get butter. to. Do you have an advocate? I mean, who gets that job? I don't. All right. I'm not, I don't want science person. Yeah. How many rat hairs in this jar? If you know the answer and you're listening, please right. email me. Susan at... Uh, oh my gosh, I just got bit by something as we were sitting here. Wow. What? I'm unscathed. See? So far. I'm just trying to prove my stories. Okay. That was mm-hmm. a great conversation, though. I enjoyed it very much. Do you need some more champagne, though? Uh, I do. I'm, uh, I'm uh, I get consuming it. it. While, while I um, get the, the bottle out of the Frigidaire... Mm-hmm. Um, that was a product placement, in case anyone's Yeah, listening. sponsor. Yeah, it's good. Potential sponsor. Potential. It's a great... The champagne is very cold, so it's a great job for oh, there. Oh, yay. And what kind of... I, even though I know it's in my refrigerator, I don't actually oh, know what I have. I just, like, is, pick things uh, up. And I honestly don't remember buying that champagne. Uh, Somebody it's magically may have... Appeared. It's a have, quality Frigidaire fridge that I champagne magically I have people that stay here sometimes, in. and then they sort of sneak things in oh, the okay. refrigerator. Like, friends... Is who, that a subtle hint? No, <laughs> not at all. No, but you know, when I leave house, people that are right. looking for somewhere to stay while I'm out of town, right. I'm like, oh, it's just crash at my thing place. Yeah, and then I come home and find all sorts of fun things. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun. Um, anyway, what are we mm. drinking? Oh, it's uh, well, Paul Roger, but it's like Paul Roger, but it's R O G E R. It's a it's a famous champagne house. Oh, that's so really so happy. when you said, oh, I have a bottle of champagne in my fridge, and I saw it, I was like, ooh, la la, ooh la la. So it's good. It's high quality. It's tasty. I it's very it. good. It's, it's very good with this uh, steak and blue cheese. I again aim to please. Yeah, for sure. I li- uh, that's the thing about um, this is kind of a richer style champagne, I would say, and it's remarkably good for things like surprisingly like steak. Like you go to a, you could go to a steakhouse and be like, I will have the steak with blue cheese, and I would like a bottle of champagne with that, and. You know, and they'd be like, "What? That's uh, that's crazy. You're crazy." I'm like, "No, you're crazy. You don't have to drink Cabernet." <laughs> There's the um, sort of the the steakhouse uh, kind of cliche is called like a slab and a cab. You know, like a yeah. slab of meat and a Cabernet Sauvignon. Not yeah. that that's not good, but um, didn't they stop making? They, I know that back in the day they said, "Oh, you have to have white wine with fish. You have to have right. this with." Your quesadillas must be with rosé. I don't think anyone yeah. ever said that. And then I, steak. That's great. That's fine. <laughs> I did not have to be, but uh, quesadillas and rosé, that's cool. But now they've changed it, and they say you can drink... They've, they've thrown caution to the wind. Yes. Can... Yeah, we've gone crazy in the world of wine. Uh, well, there's a very famous book that I think it's really hard to find. It's uh, Jeffrey Rosengarden, I want to say. It's called Red Wine with Fish. That came out a while ago, but um, yes, you can. Um, well, first of all... Look, if you're paying money, if it's your pleasure, if you like sushi and Cabernet, which a lot of people would be like, that sounds pretty gross. But if that's what you want to drink, it doesn't mean it's wrong or it's like scientifically wrong. But um, But see, I think sushi and Cabernet kind of, maybe not yellowtail, but tuna is very meaty. Mm. So, I mean, that that kind of makes sense to me. With well, tuna is a good example. I would say a lighter red, like uh, tuna and Pinot Noir, or a good Beaujolais, is is very nice. So you can you can do that absolutely, and you can have a you know if you want to have a Chardonnay with your steak too. If it's like a million degrees out and uh, mm-hmm. you're grilling steaks outside and you're sitting outside and you've got this like hot steak and it's like like you're in Nashville and it's humid and hot, <laughs> maybe you would rather have a cold Chardonnay. Or I, what I would do is I would put your uh, red wine in the fridge for like a while, like a half hour, because like there's nothing worse than being served a. This is happening at restaurants a lot. You get a warm glass of red wine. And I get that all like the warm. time. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's a place where 
they keep their wines by the glass by the kitchen, like right next to the kitchen. Like they're displaying it like, oh, these will look nice in front of the, the kitchen, you know, and like, but yeah, but it's hot. It's hotter than hell. Or, uh, or it's just hot in the restaurant. It's not an air-conditioned restaurant. So, like, you walk in on a swampy day, kind of like today, and, like, wow, that red wine is just as swampy as I am. So that's bad. <laughs> that's when I drink beer. Or I will I'll do one of two other things. I will ask for an ice bucket, or I will just take my water, or I'll ask for, uh, like, a glass of ice, and I'll just put ice cubes in it. Huh. Doesn't it water down real fast? It does. It waters it down, but I would rather have it be... Uh, it's undrinkable when it's warm, and warm red wine is nasty, unless you're having, like, a nice glass of mulled wine, and you know, over the holidays. Oh, hot with, wine. With snow, with gentle snow flakes falling down. Sure. But uh, I would rather have it be uh, watered down and cool than hot. Yeah. When I was in uh, high school, my friend Jill, shout out Jill, how to do? Hi, Jill. Uh, hey, Jill. She always put ice cubes in her milk. Ugh, I thought that was oh, the yeah. grossest thing ever, mm-hmm. but she loved it. Mm-hmm. She likes her milk ice cold. Mm-hmm. That's true. Milk, you never see people put uh, ice in milk. Yeah, I found it quite strange. She's a lunatic, clearly. <laughs> clearly, she's a lunatic. Uh, ice in your red wine, that's fine. Milk, you're insane. <laughs> but your, your favorite is rosé, is it not? Uh, I would say my penultimate wine would be rosé champagne, which combines two of my favorite things, uh, rosé and champagne. So I'm to me, that's top. like the ultimate expression I like the flavor of it, and I love, frankly, I love the color of it. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. I think rosé just looks pretty, and uh, it's always, I feel like when you go, uh, especially in the winter, if you go to like a, like a, like, oh, I'm having a party, uh, bring a bottle, what, which, oh, can I bring anything? I'll bring a bottle of wine. And like, I feel like 90% of the people, especially in winter, will bring um, a red wine. I agree with So that. I always bring a white or rosé, because even in the dead of winter, I mean, you have this like rosé, and it's like, ah, it's so pretty. And, um, and then also when you're, even if it's freezing outside, you like go to someone's house at a dinner party and they've got like an old timey apartment with the, the radiators and it's like a kiln in there. And so now all of a sudden you were freezing, but now all of a sudden you're in this like hot crowded apartment, like drinking, um, you know, like a big bread and it's like, ah, look, I have a well chilled bottle of white or rosé and you are, you are the hero. I, I don't think I'd ever had a rosé until I met you Mm. and technically meet met you is in quotations because when I first met you the, uh, with Skype. internet, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you said, go pick out a, a rosé from France. Yep. And it had, the one I picked had a rooster yeah, on it. Yeah, the, oh boy, the VA Ferm. It was good. V-I-L-L-E-F-E-R. V de. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's got, look, A, it's got a rooster on it for a good reason. Mm-hmm. Or no, is it a chicken? It's a chicken. It's not a rooster, right? I mean, I didn't look under the feathers. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't. It wasn't a pop-up kind of bottle detail. of wine. No, Wouldn't that no. be cool? A pop-up label? That's actually not a bad idea. I that think that would be pretty cool. Fun. Somebody steals that from me, please credit or credit and is send due. royalties. Yeah, or, or free wine for life. Mm. No, dry rosé is. Uh, I mean, it's become so popular now, but um, I'm always behind the curve. I guess, uh, well, come on. I guess the light, the but the thing I would like to see is, I mean, everyone's drinking it in the summer. Like, it's a great, um, it's probably my favorite Thanksgiving wine and, you know, whatever holiday you celebrate. But winter, like, I like to drink in the winter because it's evocative of, you know, it's like reading a magazine, reading a story about tropical beaches in December. You want it to be transported. And sure. I think rosé is very transportive just by its color. And especially when it's someplace like, you know, like from Provence or something where you can kind of mentally... Uh, take a little voyage there. I went to an Italian restaurant the other day for lunch, and uh, because you were coming to visit, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'm going to get a rosé in honor, even though you weren't there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it Thanks was for a, thinking of you're, you're very welcome. It was a very odd color. Mm-hmm. It wasn't rosé color, mm-hmm. and it wasn't red color. It was sort of a the burnt umber crayon and the Crayola box color, maybe oh, a little huh. lighter. Like uh, it was like, really yummy, huh. but like rusty. Almost uh-huh. rust color. Does that still mm. count as rosé, or is there a rust version? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd like a glass of rust, please. Um, uh, it's rust with an accent mark yeah. over the U. Rust, um, yeah, rust, yeah. Ah, um, oh, there you go. Uh, well, a lot of it depends on. I mean, the color of a rosé depends on like all the juice in red wine is clear. It's the skins that have the color. Mm-hmm. So uh, the color of a rosé will depend upon how long the juice is in contact with the skins. So usually people are like okay it's got the color i need all right get it out of there get it out of there get it out of there get it away from the skins um so usually that's that's how people make rosé but some people leave it on longer it might be um 
uh, I don't know, they could, maybe it's a thing with like oak aging that gives it mm. that color. Maybe mm-hmm. they expose it to oxygen um, to give it like an oxidative flavor, which is kind of like a, like kind of like a nutty almond thing, like, like what uh, a dry sherry would have. So mm-hmm. it could be, a, it could be a winemaking technique. It could be um, a wine that like got cooked. Like, uh, what you talking about, Willis? Yeah, it could be your cooked wine. Well, really? that's like the wine in a hot, uh, like it was stored in a hot warehouse or a hot truck, a hot delivery truck, or it's in a restaurant right right next to like the wok station or the uh, and that will the, change the, the color. pizza oven. It, yeah, it could it'll, it'll huh. become um, or it could be old. It can become brown. It didn't it can, taste like, brown well. it. Oh, old. Yeah, it tasted know. quite good. Well, well, we should go there and drink it. Yeah, I love that out. restaurant. It's. See, next time you visit, you need to visit for more time. I'm, I know. I'm trying to show Jameson around Nashville. He's got two days to do it. That yeah. is a near impossibility. It is. Well, now I just, it's like the, you know, the appetizer. And I'll come back for like a more of an entree visit. Yeah. It's been fun. We've we've eaten and imbibed and and a lot of fun stuff. We've got a lot left to do today. I know. This is the a day lot. Is we've young. done a lot. I mean, it's 3 o'clock, but the day is young. Well, we started at, at 9 a.m. Yeah, we went to brunch quote unquote at right, nine right that was, yeah, I, that was which breakfast. i call breakfast that was just yeah, breakfast. That was breakfast. and we didn't there was no uh cocktails or anything. Yeah. yeah so it was definitely breakfast i got confused i thought it was at a different restaurant that does oh that's right yeah because the restaurant i thought it was also starts with a j yeah it's very very confusing here in <laughs> yeah everything has, has got an it was letter. an easy mistake to yeah it's it sort of if except i had, we were, if except, I had read the email better maybe yeah. well, except when we pulled up we we're like this place is closed yeah but that restaurant does a good brunch and they have um, they have French press and they have you know the usual fare for your brunchy Mary's things your Bloody Marys your mimosas yeah. your uh, grapefruit mimosa which is, I like that a lot I do too I actually prefer that to orange juice I'm not an orange juice person so I'm like, I like well I kind of like the, uh, the it's a little more tart yeah and I'm not on heart medicine so I can drink grapefruit juice oh yeah uh, I don't but I'm not a huge mimosa fan at restaurants because usually I have to like I'm a pretty chill wine dude, but I have with the mimosas. I have to see the bottle they're pouring, because a lot of times they're pouring stuff that, like, if if you if it's not good enough to drink on its own, like like this stuff, this yeah, like this, good. like yeah. I, I mean, hey, you wouldn't make. Well, I don't know if you were like like a super luxurious rich person, maybe you would make mimosas with champagne. Although I would I would think that's almost like it's almost too complex for a mimosa. But, um, yeah, I would just use a high quality sparkling wine, but uh, a lot of places will use stuff that's like really cheap. And also I think the ratio, I don't like a mimosa that's like half, let's say it's half, half sparkling wine, half juice. To me, that's just, I don't like that much juice in my mimosa. Mm-hmm. And then you end up having a few and you're like, wow, I just drank like a gallon of juice. I'm half juice on my father's side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. What do you mean by complex? For the people that don't know uh, much about wine. Well, I just, I just think it's sort of like if you have, if you have like, uh, let's say like a great steak, mm. you uh, don't want to do too much to it. Like maybe a little dab of blue cheese, a little pat of butter, salt, pepper, that's it. But like, like when you have a hamburger and you get an inexpensive hamburger, you've got, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles, and all this stuff on it. So mm-hmm. I think if you have a high quality base product, whether it's um, food or wine that you kind of want to let it you're 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 paying that premium for a reason to showcase it yeah so so i would showcase i have had like i mean i do like a champ like a champagne cocktail but it's like that's when you put like sort of like a dash or a splash of something in mm-hmm. champagne but it's still primary you know like 90 percent champagne so a complex wine or champagne just has a lot of things happening in it yeah, yeah, it's got a lot of uh, like smells and flavors. You're like, whoa, it's uh, like it's got this, it's got that, it's got like it's got. So it, it's uh, it tastes like it's a little bread doughy, yeasty. Uh, it's lemony, it's uh, grapey, it's you know um, smoky. Uh, I mean, this is like five different wines. You yeah. Know? So there'd be sort of like, I guess the easy way to describe it is that I feel like there are like you know like fruity flavors and then the non-fruity flavors mm-hmm. like the sort of the other things besides fruit like uh you know like yeast like like yeast dough bread like bread mm-hmm. or uh you know with red wines you can get wait do they add yeast or is this the same thing where the dirt and the sun and all that and the rain uh, makes it taste the way it tastes or is there literally yeast well i mean with i mean with you i know, guess alcohol makes yeast yeah right? with, with i mean you're fermenting so it's right. all it's all yeast but sure. uh but it's with champagne that has that kind of bread dough thing as Especially, but um, there are all kinds of you know things you can tease out of flavor-wise. I mean, you might get um, 
bell pepper or jalapeno or that's crazy um, to yeah. me yeah i don't get too like like this wine has how you know i don't like to i'm not a you know, sort of re- reviewing wines, but there are some things like Sauvignon Blancs from New Zealand. I think that have a lot of uh, kind of a little bit of like jalapeno, or uh, certain Cabernets have kind of an olive or a bell pepper note to them. And um, so there's there's some wines that have kind of like a, a a hallmark to them. But then it also depends on who makes it, where it's made, and um, winemaker style. It depends on what they're wearing on their feet lotion when they stomp. It could be, yeah, or, or if they have recently they had actually, a pedicure. Do people really still stomp? They do, stomp? yeah, oh, wow, yeah, really? yeah. Do. There are. How it, is that hygienic? Um, well, I mean, I think it's uh, well. Of course, their their feet are impeccably clean. I would hope well washed, so. As is as is their winery, but no, there. Are, I think. Um, well, I, I think it's uh, actually in some cases. Look, if you're making like a ton of wine, you don't want to do that. But I think if you're making small batches, I think there's something to um, the way the the pressure of your feet is is much more gentle than doing something like a mechanical press. Mm. So I think there's something to like that it's more of a, a gentle way. It's probably, it's more fun. Yeah. And, uh, and you don't need expensive equipment to do it. But I think if you, uh, and I think from a marketing perspective, I mean, it's kind of, it's a, you know, it's like the I Love Lucy thing, you know, uh-huh. the grape stomping. Sure. There, there's some sort of like old world, old school charm to it. Unless you're like germ phobic, you know. I come from a long feet. line of wine stompers, that yeah, kind of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a thing where everyone get, in the winery gets involved. It's kind of a family, whether it's a literal family or your winery family. It's like everyone gets in and steps on the grapes, stomps on the grapes, and it's sort of a, a rite of passage. How old were you when you liked the taste of wine? Well, that's true. I mean, things like it's like when you eat certain foods as a kid, and you're like, "Ugh, gross!" Like I never liked pickles as a kid, and now I really like them a lot. Uh, I'd never like beer. Like, like I'd have a sip of my dad's beer. And oh, I was it's like, horrifying, yeah, right? Yeah, I was like, this is gross. Yeah. I'm never drinking this. Terrible. Uh, I was like, I don't get it. Uh, wine, I probably was in college, and uh, I had a couple of good friends who lived in this off-campus house, and there were a lot of international students um, there from, and from all over the world attending the school, and um, we'd cook dinner, eh, not weekly, but we'd, you know, we usually cooked like very kind of college vegetarian hippie type stuff like a lot of beans and rice and things like that where'd you go to college uh grinnell college in iowa it's a prestigious liberal arts school uh halfway between des moines and iowa city off of i-80 it's like a school of like when i was there was like 1300 students in in a town of 8,000 people it was wild yeah it was tiny great school um i met a lot of great people there but there so we'd cook dinner with these friends of mine and i don't know why I, i probably had a copy of the wine bible by Karen McNeil, and I think I just remember reading something about like Gewurztraminer from Alsace oh, is great yeah. with uh, vegetarian food, and I was like, okay. So uh, I started uh, drinking that, and uh, just kind of like liking wine and food. And that's something. I mean, I mean, in, you know, in, in college, I drank uh, Milwaukee's Best Light. I mean, we drank that was we just drank a lot of cheap beer out of Hardy's cups, like warm keg beer. And- Do you remember the the beer? Was it Lucky Beer, the one that had the the pictogram? under the cap and you, you would drink yeah. the beer and try and guess what the pictogram meant it would be an oh. eyeball and then a plus sign and oh a right tree right no no a... i don't remember that that sounds like i think fun. it was we were drinking beer. cans okay. like bo- bottles bottles of beer we were, were a, a luxury yeah you yeah you were very fancy <laughs> i think so, it was three dollars a six pack but we were fancy yeah because so ours that, came with puzzles <laughs> so that's kind of when i got into it and then uh, let's see and then I, there was like a sort of a lull uh when I went to, uh, I mean, after I graduated, I went and lived in Utah for a couple of years to be a ski bum, and then I went to grad school in Flagstaff. Now, I think I don't think it was really till I moved back to Chicago in like two thousand, no, nineteen ninety eight, that I got more into wine. I took a class at the Chicago Wine School. I also had a job where I had like a salary for the first time, and so I could do things like, I'm going to buy a $10 bottle of wine, and like, like, I'm like i an adult, like, this is this is crazy. So, um, you know, taking the wine classes at the Chicago Wine School was really influential, and then, um, uh, you know... And they, anyone can take that? You don't have to be... A- uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, at the time, yeah, it was just, it's just like, if you've got the money, and it wasn't, um, I mean, a lot of, some wine classes that are, this wasn't a wine class for a certification, mm. like those, that kind of wine class is a lot more, not that this wasn't serious, but, you know, it's, it's more like you're taking, like, a, a sommelier-type wine class, it's usually for, um, to move you, yourself forward professionally, mm-hmm. and it's not just, this was more like, 
for fun, and and yeah. I mean, it was it was serious, but it's it like wasn't taking a cooking class. Or yeah, something. exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's like I'm interested. I'm paying money for this, but you know, it's going to be fun too. Yeah. And then, um, uh, so just being in a city like Chicago, and um, you know, having access to wine, and then I took a more uh, much more serious class with the International Sommelier Guild, and. Um, one of the people in the class happened to be a manager of a wine shop in Chicago and she was looking for weekend help and I had a full-time job and I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd like, she's like, great. You want to work Saturday and Sunday? And I said, you know, I got a full-time job Monday through Friday, but I said, yeah, sure. So that was really, you know, then I was like, you know, like ensconced in wine and I, I, the people I worked with were super wine geeks and I got introduced to a lot of things, but I definitely started. It's that immersion thing. Yeah. You learn a ton because everyone Yeah, you're working and you're surrounded with it, yeah. And I worked with some really, you know, super chill wine people too. I mean, they were very, uh, you know, the antithesis of whatever people might think of. Although I think that's really sort of a dying kind of archetype or stereotype about most wine people, most are most of them are pretty chill. They like drink cheap beer out of a can when they're not working. So, um, do you, would you say you have one of those refined palates and noses that can find all the things that you're uh, supposed to find in a bottle? No, I don't think I don't think you're supposed to find things. I mean, taste is so subjective. I think I think one of the things that I think descriptions can are useful because you kind of want to know. I mean, it's like a recommendation. It's like, yeah. what, what, what was this restaurant like? Or what was this movie like? I mean, you want someone to be like, it was like this, that, and the other thing. And here are some specific details. But I don't think it's um, you're supposed to get things. Um, like I said, I mean, maybe there are a few, like, uh, wines that have, like, kind of, like, telltale signatures. But mm-hmm. I think in general, it's, you know, it's a little all over the place. I think it's more sort of like an exercise to get you thinking about it. You know, just sort of, like, uh, stopping, slowing down savoring and thinking about it like what do i taste in here um what do i smell um and then when you get more into it you're like why does it have that taste and smell is it because of um where it's from uh the vintage the wine making style right all the all the factors so that's when you can kind of get more um into it but i think a lot of it is just like i mean you know it's 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 uh i mean taste on any level and whether it's music or wine or or cars is is subjective, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I like it when I go into a wine store and they have the the notes written out almost as if you were in a bookstore, where the people that work at the bookstore say, "Oh, I love this book because blah blah blah," and they have all the the shelf of the recommendations. Yeah, right. I like it when the wine store say, "Oh, I like this one because yeah. this 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 and this," and maybe the next person has also a write up on it, but it's a little bit different. And a million years ago, when I enjoyed the taste of wine, and it's funny you said the Gewurz, I can't ever say it. Oh, Gewurz, Gewurz, yeah. That was, that was the one that I liked when I first started drinking yeah. wine. I thought it was great. And now, I can't drink that wine. It gives me a stomachache. It's too sugary or crispy or something. Yeah, or some acidic. of them, I mean, the, it's, a, it's a kind of a grape where some of them can be really sweet. And some of them can be, like, totally dry. And I'm not a fan of sweet anyway, uh-huh. in anything. Right. Like dessert, so maybe that's why. sweets yeah, in general. I'm not a sweets person. I'm more of a savory person. Mm. But back to... So I went to the Columbia Winery in Bothell, Washington. Oh, yeah. In uh, well, Woodenville. Woodenville. Yeah. Well, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Bothell, Woodenville. Sorry, Bothell. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Woodenville's the fancier brother that went off to college. Um, anyway, <laughs> so... I sat in a tasting room. I had never done a tasting before. Uh-huh. I was very excited about it. And I sat at the tasting room. And at the time, in all honesty, I thought that when you drank wine and you tasted things, if you tasted a chocolate note or a cherry note or this or that, mm-hmm. I thought that they stuck that in the barrels with the uh-huh. wine and that's what flavored it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was really exciting to learn that it had to do with the weather that season or the dirt or the this or the that or the area and all that. I was blown away. I had no idea that, wait, what do you mean if it rained two weeks straight, you might get more cherry flavor or more chocolatey flavor. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. But it is weird that it changes the way the wine tastes, but why do your tomatoes not on a certain that's, uh, season taste that, like a chocolate that's, bar? Uh, well, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, it's sort of like the idea of terroir and that the... Um, Sort of like the everything from like the dirt to the sky, you know, the, from the weather to the dirt influences uh, and the slope and all these things that the that the environment in which you know grapes are grown in um, has an impact on what ends up in your glass mm-hmm. and it's very specific 
for different parts of the world. Um, but yeah, like, why would what if I just grew tomatoes next to um, all these grapevines? It doesn't vines? change a tomato. Right. It's so strange. Why is that? Uh, I don't know. It could be. It could. I mean, maybe just as many seeds in a tomato as in a grape. Right, and well, it, it could be uh, the the roots of wine grapes go very deep. Maybe, uh, but oh. I don't. But I don't know flavor. And tomatoes grow up. I don't know. Flavor though is is uh, I think it would be controversial to say flavor is sort of you know like you like like roots suck up flavor and and transmit it to um, yeah. uh, grapes. I mean I, that would be like a like a very interesting hardcore science thing. Well, then a carrot that goes pretty well. I guess it doesn't go that far down or a, a beet or. Anything, yeah. No, a that's a that's a that's, that's a interesting argument. Somebody against, needs to uh, email me about that too, because I'm very curious why it is that wines taste so different, but but other fruits and vegetables do not. But you know, I mean, hey, it's like look, like walla walla onions, mm, sweet onions, those are so good, and or uh, or um, the uh, Vidalia onions. Vidalia, is yeah. Delicious. So those are like um, very specific type of onions that taste different and have a much higher. I think it's a it's a sugar content. Also, but they have a, they're like a protected signature item. So maybe that's kind of the argument that for um, a place and soil affecting a product. So things like that. And I think, well, you, you can know. definitely tell the difference between a Walla Walla onion and a regular run the mill. Yeah. Bob's your uncle onion. Yeah. No, I agree. So, I mean, maybe, maybe just answer the question. So that day that I did the tasting at Columbia uh, Winery, it was hilarious. We, so you drank the wine, and you picked what you liked, and you mm-hmm. wrote on a piece of paper, I'll have six of these, or 12 of these, right. or whatnot. You hand them the paper, or, they, or you, hand it, you fill it out, right. and then they hand you a little slip, and then you pull around the back of the winery, and there's this long line of cars. It was the big half-yearly winery sale okay. or something you know it was a big deal and i'll never forget this so i was in line behind a man and woman that were in a little coupe car mm-hmm. tiny tiny vehicle and the man had <laughs> clearly ordered a lot of wine yeah so the people started coming out with these boxes of wine uh-huh. and putting it in the back of the coupe and doing mm-hmm. all this stuff and they had an extra probably four boxes mm. and you could see them gesticulate Oh, what are we gonna right. do? Where's this gonna go? And the man made his girlfriend get out of the car, and I assume he said, "I'll pick you up later. I'm bringing the uh, wine home." And she was so mad, but I thought it was hilarious. I, I hope I'm sure, I'm sure she dumped up. him I'm immediately. Sure broke up. Immediately, oh. it's a very fancy up. little car, though, so she might have said, "Well," <laughs> but she was very mad in the moment. But I thought it was very, I thought it was funny. So, okay, how did you come to be on? wine enthusiasts or you know work with wine enthusiasts did they see your because you did the video blogs right uh i mean i had like i shot like one video thing when i, I watched the one you did where you go into the whole foods and you pick out I love oh that. yeah i forgot about that that was i wish you would do more of those because oh, i found yeah. that very helpful but that was uh he, he went into a market. yeah he went into the market and he said i have a hundred dollars right yeah have? And this is what I'm going to buy with $100. That's right. And I wrote them all down, and I tried some of them. Yeah. I was like, this is great. Well, it was a good idea. I kind of, I mean, I talked about this recently. I mean, I definitely, not that, like, it's something I can't do, but I think video is the way that any, you know, blogger should go, or, or, or writer, because that's because people just consume a lot more, especially now with the way phones are, and you can watch, like, mm-hmm. super high-quality things on your phone. Mm-hmm. I think that's much more, it's much more, um... Uh, I mean, I guess the only thing, though, is, like, well, with reading, too, it's like, I mean, hey, you can't watch a video while you're, you know, driving or things like that. But uh, I think videos, short videos are a great way to uh, engage people, especially if you have a distinct personality that's a a platform that, you know, sometimes it's hard to explain something in writing, but if you can, like, you know, talk about it and show people... Uh, and it seems much more sort of real life too. I very much enjoyed it, and it was it was interesting. I should to do see more things pick. like that. Yeah, I thought it because was because that great. was like three or four years ago. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. I because I never know that is, and I think a lot of people have this issue. You go into the the Whole Foods or the wine store, mm-hmm. whatever it is you're you're dealing with, and it's pretty overwhelming. And I would bet that. More than fifty percent of the people pick their wines based on the label. Yeah, I would agree uh, completely. Yeah, I mean, I Maybe still eighty percent. I don't know. I, I, I love still, the um, if it's you know, if there are like, let's say, like, 
I'm at a wine shop and there are 10 wines. I look at 10 wines and I don't like, well, I'm not familiar with that label or that producer. I mean, the ones you pick up, the ones that you're going to physically touch and pick up are the ones with the, the cool labels. And if it's, if it's a toss up between two wines, two like, I don't know, like Spanish garnachas, uh, I will, um, I'll be like, well, I'm going to pick, I mean, you pick up the one, it's like packaging. It's like anything. It's like whether it's bread or something. I mean, packaging is important. I think a lot of wine labels have an issue where it's like, you know, it's a, (laughs) excuse me, it's like a white label with black type, you know, it's chateau to something, or even doesn't have to be a chateau, just it's, and when you line them all up together, you kind of like, like they all kind of look the same. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's why, I mean, that's a lot to do why certain labels are, um, uh, and you sort of like in a way too you don't kind of have to like look I don't know what this I don't know what this you know wine region is or what this means but I'm gonna I, I like the label it looks good and it's the right price mm-hmm. I mean I'm sure a lot of people I know a lot of people pick out wines like that and it's not a, it's not a bad thing I think, I think it's more something that um, from a marketing standpoint that, that wineries and, and beer I think is much more mm-hmm. savvy with that I think wine is finally catching up as far as label design I mean look like if you go to like Whole Foods and you see um, the wines that they stack you know like where they drop like, like it's a huge wine display there'll be like 100 plus cases of wine I mean they're going to pick something that has a very nice box like a, a box with a lot of colors and the label have a lot of colors too because they don't do um, they don't put any like outside like frilly decorations on it like they just don't do that at Whole Foods they'll have like their chalkboard and like yeah. all the wines stacked up so they're not going to pick a wine that has like a plain white box and a plain label and put 200 cases there because it looks just dull right. but if you have like this wine with this like really great label really great box you know like n- not just a, a a plain like a great label in a plain brown box then you'll see you know stacks of it because it makes its own it makes its own display because it's so visually yeah. impactful I think if there's anyone out there that has a winery I would love to paint wine labels I think that would be such a cool experience well to design a wine label I mean that would be really cool yeah it would be very cool so how did you come to be found by Wine Enthusiast? Uh, I just, you know, I was, uh, let's see, I was in Seattle in last summer and kind of uh, drifting. I was just like, eh, I had some money saved up. I was like, eh, I'm just going to kind of chill out and travel and have fun and kind of figure out my next step. And then, like, you know, a few months passed by. And I'm like, yeah, this is great, but I kind of probably need to, like, do something. So I was like, well, I've wanted to live in New York for like the past four years, at least, you know, I was like, I want to go out there and live there for X amount of time. You know, I want to at least make the attempt. And then, you know, it's like when you're living in Seattle and you send out a, a resume to a place in New York, they're like, you're in Seattle. Like, why should I, I'll just interview someone local. And then like, what if you, you know, so then I had to like go out there and be like, you know, interviewing for jobs and be like, yeah, I just, um, I gave away everything I owned. I have two suitcases and I'm coming out here to live in a month. You know, so people knew that I was like serious. Yeah, serious. So I just ended up um, a, a couple people who I know suggested I apply for this job, and I was like, mm, uh, mm, well, really? And uh, uh, I ended up applying for it, and went through like quite a few, quite a few. There, there was a long interview process, and it definitely, you know, I mean, not that it wouldn't be something that was very rigorous and serious, but it was like, uh, I don't know, it was like. Um, uh, it was it was rigorous. It was very rigorous, and I talked to a lot of people about it, and it was uh, you know it was definitely seriously vetted by by them and by people who knew me. And um, yeah, because just, wine has a long history of being I don't want to use well to do snob snobby. I think, yeah. and when I think of magazines that talk about wine, I think of oaky rooms with men in suits. Yeah. You know, and Well, I mean, yeah, I mean that's a that's an issue with wine. I mean, that perception is still an issue and I think mm-hmm. that's something we try and do with um you know, when I was on the magazine side is that we have like the first there's a section of the magazine called The Crush that's very art driven and photo driven and uh, more trends and also, you know, we travel and beer and cocktails and recipes. So mm-hmm. just sort of like uh, casting a wider net because I think, you know, people who are interested in wine are, are, are probably they like to eat and they like to travel. Yeah, and but, are and also, wine is intimidating. Yeah. The idea of... So but, if you can give, give uh, yeah. people some other things to kind of latch on to, be like, oh, look, they are into beer too. Or like, oh, like they 
there they want to go to Tasmania or uh, oh here's a cool recipe. I do enjoy that magazine. You sent me a copy and I mm-hmm. had seen it before. But I enjoyed it. There's not a lot of magazines where cover to cover I'm mm-hmm. brought in. And I, I felt that that well, was that's great to hear. Yeah. That is our goal. Yeah, because it, it again it speaks to I have a lot of interests and yeah. I felt as if it would it was speaking to many yeah. of those interests. Yeah. It wasn't all one all the time. For right. me, that would be boring, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, well, it would be, I mean... Not like for I, somebody that's into right, wine, right. it would be exciting. But right. for me, I don't right. know a whole lot sure. about wine. I mean, so. and I think, like I said, like people who are interested in wine or, or beer or cocktails, I mean, they also have... People in general, I mean... There was have, a travel section that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, there's... Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, I think, I, mean, I think that's just kind of the way... Um, you know, like my friend uh, Clive, who he writes for Peloton. It's a cycling magazine. He writes about wine for them because wow. a lot of people who are hardcore cyclists, they're traveling the country. They're 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 cycling in France and Italy and these places wine with country. like famous yeah. famous like cycling races. Yeah, I mean, world's most famous cycling races. But there are also some of these races go through wine country. You know, so there's that. So it's kind of smart. I think. I think any. Uh, or ski magazines. I mean, ski magazines will have things about food and that. So I think any sort of kind of single subject, single... Uh, I think it's the way you have to be now. You have to be like, who are our readers? Look, they're here because we're a ski magazine or a wine magazine or a cycling magazine. But also, and they are interested in other things too. So let's let's cover that. Let's. I mean, look, at, at the heart of the matter, it's a wine magazine. It's a skiing magazine. It's a cycling magazine. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the name, you know, the name. Look, it's wine enthusiasts. Wine is the first word, so that'll always be the the driving force. But sure. I think it's uh, I think it's important for any uh, medium that's a that deals with a you know like a, a subject like that that people are very passionate about. That like we all have broader interests, yeah. and uh, let's let's acknowledge that and embrace that and celebrate that. But you know, never forget what a, what at the heart of the matter is. It's you know about it's about wine. Okay, I'm going to give you a Jameson pop quiz. So you can't get okay. anything wrong because it's all about you. Okay. It's the best pop quiz I, ever. I could still be very wrong. Favorite movie about wine? Favorite movie about wine? God, I don't know if that movie has been made yet. Um, favorite movie about wine? I, I, I don't have a favorite movie about wine. Is there a movie? You already failed the quiz. I, I know. Be. I told you I could fail it. <laughs> well, it's okay. I'm still waiting for it to Did be Did you made. like the movie Bottle, Bottle Shock? I know they took liberties. What about Sideways? Everybody loves the movie Sideways. I think if I watched it now, I would probably be more sort of appalled by the behavior of the men in that movie. They were pretty appalling. What about that one with the two guys that go across Europe and they eat and drink their way through? I can't remember the name of the movie, though, but I enjoyed it. Maybe you have to not know anything about wine to be delighted by movies like that. Mm Mm-hmm. There's that. probably some movie that has a scene with wine in it that I really like. That I think it's sort of emblematic, <laughs> but it would that that would be I'd have to think a little harder about that. Godfather. There's a lot of wine. Uh, in yeah, sure. Or uh, or uh, Goodfellas. Okay. You know, uh, yeah, maybe more something like that would be more uh, appealing. Okay, favorite book about wine or referencing wine? Uh, probably my favorite wine book is. Um, Actually, it's the Scratch and Sniff Guide to Wine Shut by up. Richard Betts. Is it really a Scratch and Sniff? It is, and That's it's so uh, and it's and it's um, its format is like you know, like those uh, children's books that are like sort of like cardboard, yeah, and laminated. Sure. Yeah. It's like that, and it's really um, it's really clever and welcoming, and I think kind of like what I alluded to earlier about flavors. I mean, he sort of decides it, and like there's fruit flavors and there's like wood flavors and like wood as in like oak barrels and. Mm-hmm. That's it's like just, Chardonnay. Yeah, it's just really, it's just really a, a charming book that that like when I read it, I was like, oh, that's a, it's a, I think it's a great approach and it's very welcoming. Uh-huh. I think that is, uh, I love it. It's really, a, it's really a. And he did another book uh, about whiskey, so that's the same format that okay. I that I haven't read, but um, okay, I would say that. And I still look. I mean, the first wine book I ever bought was the Wine Bio by Karen McNeil, and she just came out with a. a, a, a but I mean, I, I would just call it a new version, not like an update, because it's like pretty, pretty new. So mm-hmm. I think I think most people starting in wine, I would I would say most of them their, their first book that they bought to start getting into is probably the Wine Bible. We probably all have a dog-eared copy of it, and um, 
uh, it hasn't come out yet, but I'm looking forward to, um, I'm a big fan of Marissa A. Ross. She's a really cool wine writer and she's, uh, she's Bon Apps, um, Bon Appetit's, uh, wine editor. And she has a, yeah, and she has a book coming out next year that I'm really looking forward to because she's really funny and cool and chill. So I feel like this book is going to be a great reflection of her personality and perspective and attitude. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's just not, I think, I think that's something that there's not a lot of, I'm trying to think of like personality driven, um, uh, I guess wine books tend to be more sort of like, here's the information you need. And it, and it doesn't, I mean, actually Karen McNeil does a good job of kind of injecting her, her personality into it. But I think with Marissa, her mm -hmm. book is, uh, well, I mean, does what I expect. I mean, it's going to be just high energy, uh, funny. I think it's going to be funny too. That's another thing that's really missing from the world of wine is humor. Mm -hmm. People, I mean, she's a comedian too. So, I mean, she's got a lot of talent in that, in that way. I've just got a lot of talent period. So I'm looking forward to her book coming out. Um, but uh, I would say I'd probably like get a copy of the Wine Bible and then get a copy of um, uh, the Scratch and Sniff Guide to Wine. I also like um, uh, Andrew Jefford wrote a book, called, and this is getting more like hardcore. Mm -hmm. It's called The New France, and, and that book sort of like took my novel of French wine to like like unseen heights because he really breaks. It's very. He breaks down every single region. Has great maps, and he has a list of like recommended producers you know, like, you know, 50 to 100 of them. And then he has like, like four or five. Here are some controversies or issues facing this wine region. It was written a while ago, but I think it's still, if like you really hardcore want to get to know French wine, that is, that is the book to find. Okay. Best wine for a first date. Hmm. Well, I think, um, champagne would probably be too over the top. That's a lot of, puts a lot of pressure on someone. Why did they, see, I think champagne is such a great go-to drink. Oh. I love champagne. Well, I just think to but order, there's a lot of baggage that comes yeah, with it. it sounds very fancy. Yeah. I think a, I think a rosé would be great. Mm. I think something that's, something that's fun, and um, not that there aren't serious and, you know, complex rosés. I would pick something that's uh, on the lighter side, and maybe don't pick a red wine, because if you spill it all over yourself, it, you know, stains. Uh, I think a, a, something just like a, a, a fresh, fun white wine mm -hmm. or uh, a rosé, I think is great. I think it kind of puts you at ease. It's okay. light, it's fresh, it's breezy, it's fun. Okay. It's not too serious and brooding because mm -hmm. you don't want to be too... Too intense on the first yeah, day. Yeah, too intense or too maybe too stodgy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're on death row. You definitely did it. Oh. Uh, and you're awaiting your execution in the morning. Uh -huh. And so you get a last meal. And I know they don't let you drink in yeah. prison, but let's just but pretend. Maybe, yeah. What would your last meal and, and wine beverage be? Uh, I would probably want... Uh, an assortment of tacos. Oh, sweet! <laughs> like awesome. probably like uh, some carne uh, asada stuff. Or? I'd yeah, and some al pastor and carnitas, and maybe some lengua. Assortment of tacos with an assortment of salsas, and like wine wise, I'd probably drink. Uh, even though I'd have some fiery hot salsas, I would I would drink rosé champagne, and then I'd also want pizza because I mean this is like. A death row meal. Absolutely. So I'd be yeah. like, that's sort of like my appetizer. I'd want pizza, maybe with, um, I do like, I like sausage and mushroom. Pizza? Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a combo. Uh, maybe kind of New York slices, like really good slices. Thin, you mean? Yeah. Thin, thin crust, big yeah. slices that you can fold in half. Yeah. Good stuff. And, uh, with that, maybe I would, I'd probably just drink more champagne. And maybe I'd drink some red wine. I'd probably drink a uh, wine from... That's a really super fancy one. I'd probably drink like uh, uh, either a like a Cru Beaujolais. Crus are the top wines of Beaujolais. They're from certain sites. C R U Cru. Am I a Cru? No, you said Cru Beaujolais. Yeah, I spelled C R U. Oh, C R U. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So I maybe I have some of that slightly chilled, or there's a Sicilian wine grape that I love called Frappato. And it's uh, it's a lighter style red, and I like it with. I drink like a slightly cool uh, uh, cell temperature. Uh, my cold prison cell would be the same temperature as that. I'd probably drink. I'd probably drink one of those with some pizza. Nice. What about dessert? Uh, I would drink. Uh, I would have. You know, what I'd have like maybe like a cobbler, like something just like fresh fruit, mm, not too fancy. Nice. And I'd either drink. Um, I'd probably drink something like uh, Chenin Blanc from the Loire Valley, 
uh, Chenin Blanc grape, Loire Valley uh, region in France. They make Chenin Blanc makes these incredible dessert wines, like mm-hmm. sort of. I mean, they're not syrupy, but they're 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 viscous, but they still have some kind of zip to them that I like. So they're not cloying. Mm-hmm. I'd probably drink something like that from there, like an apric. I don't know, like fresh apricots and cobbler type of thing. Sure. With something of that, and then then I'd be dead. Then you'd be dead, but happy. Uh, I don't know if I would be happy. Well, at least you go well, out with I would some good be, I would be happy about, I guess, what I ate. Yeah, that's I'd probably I mean. be thinking about my bad choices and the life <laughs> Maybe. I led. Unless yeah. you were framed. <laughs> that's right, yeah, and it was too late. Okay, what is your all-time favorite wine? If you could only drink one wine, Desert Island, a, a box or two came, you know, fell out of an yeah. airplane and uh-huh. washed up on a shore, what would it be? Uh, it would be Rosé Champagne. Okay. Uh, yes. Does that mean it has to come from the Champagne region? Or you're exactly. Saying, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. So true Champagne has to come from the Champagne region in France. So yeah. yeah. So it would be like a plane straight from the... <laughs> they pick up a couple of cases from the cellars <laughs> in Champagne, transport them, you know, in a climate-controlled environment, and they would drop it down on me, and they'd also drop like a, the a fridge. Yeah. Which yeah. would be really nice. Thank but you. a solar fridge. Right. A solar-powered fridge to properly chill it and keep it from, you know... Exploding. In a perfect desert island world. Yes. That would be that'd good. That would be only, yeah, that would be the And it's a desert island. It's hot, a little well chilled, sparkling. No, I think that's brilliant. Champagne. Yeah, yeah, you go for a light swim, you come back, you have. It's waiting for me. Rosation. Okay, so of all the. Have you done much traveling for wine? I have. Even, okay, yeah. so what has been your favorite destination for wine? If somebody listening was planning a wine trip, they could. Obviously, there are a lot of places they could pick. Yeah. What would you recommend? On Let's say. Two choices. One, budget. There's no budget. It's just okay. size limit. And then one, they're on a budget. They're okay. like a normal American fan. Right. You know, couple. Uh, no budget, sky's the limit. I would go mm-hmm. back to, and just because it's um, far from the United States, I would mm-hmm. go to uh, Tasmania. Oh, interesting. I only spent like two or three days there, but I was mm-hmm. so blown away. It's so beautiful. It's crazy beautiful. Like the, if you look up like Bay of Fires, or other than some of the most beautiful beaches you'll ever see, like crystal clear waters, like sand that's like uh, uh, pristine, and they have mountains and incredible like waterfalls, really? and the food there is great, and they make um, really nice Pinot Noir, kind of very aromatic white wines, uh, and um, and good sparkling wines. So I would say go to Tasmania. Uh, budget, I would probably say. Let's see. Well, um, I loved. I've only been there once, but I was really taken by the Finger Lakes area in New York. Uh, I thought the wines were... They, they make a lot of great Riesling there, you know, dry and semi-sweet. And uh, Cabernet Franc was really good. And um, it's very pretty. And we've got all these lakes there, which is really nice. And what else did I like about it? It's just, sort of... It's a very... Uh, yeah, like a lot of regions, is very charming. Mm-hmm. I would say probably the Finger Lakes... That would be the American budget. What about the European budget vacation? Uh, let's see if I was in Europe. Uh, I mean, probably my favorite place. I've, I mean, I've been to Sicily like three times, and I just I love the wines. And the thing about Sicily that's very interesting, it's like very varied across the country, country across the island. There's, um, you know, there's like very different zone, climate zones and different grapes, mm-hmm. and there's a ton of great seafood and... Um, uh, just the, the indigenous grapes, the wine grapes that are there are really spectacular. And you know, there's like Mount Etna, so you've got like volcanoes and cool. like yeah. stuff. So I've uh, not been there. Sicily is great. Sicily is really special. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Think. Uh, do you have a way to, for people to contact you, ask you wine questions? Uh, you can go to uh, my website, jamesonfink.com. You can visit uh, the Wine Enthusiast website, which is winemag.com. Would they just put your name in the subject or something? How would they reach uh, out to you? How would they reach out to me? Um, I mean, they could just, uh, or they can, um, uh, I'm Jameson Fink on Instagram. They get some little Instagram You have a good Instagram. It's, it's delightful to follow Oh, thank you. you. Yeah. yeah, Jameson Fink Which is Twitter. how we met. That's right. That's how I came to be here yeah. on the show. Yeah. It's great. Humans talking. Hey, hey, humans, hey, humans, it's humans talking about wine today and drinking champagne. Is this actually champagne? This is actually champagne. Holy moly. That's why I was like, uh, can we open this bottle, please? Oh, my goodness. See, great surprises. I have a feeling my friend Kathy left that in my refrigerator. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy. You know I love you, girl. Stand-up person. She, she, whether she's sitting or standing, right. she's an exceptional human. So... 
Jameson Fink, thank you so much for being on Hey Human. You know I love you. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Go drink some wine unless you don't drink. And then drink some good grape juice, I suppose. It's probably just as good as a plan. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.